Hello, everyone. This is another episode of A Moment in History, our 28th episode, I believe. This is WCCS Podcast, and I am Harrison Zyberg. And if my guests would introduce themselves. Ah, I'm Shane Wells. I'm a staff writer at UJWCS. Great. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, the school you go to. I go to Kenyon College. Uh, It's a tiny little writer's college in central Ohio. Thank you. And I was wondering, um, what was your school's response uh, in these last few months? And I guess its first response to uh, the COVID-19 crisis. So I was on campus over spring break. um, But so when they sent everybody else home, they're like, hey, things are getting strange. You might want to bring as much stuff with you as you can. Um, And then um, I want to say like a week and a half in, they kind of told everybody, just go home. There were certain exceptions, and then they said that, you know, everybody can come back at the beginning of May. Yeah, beginning of May. Um, so I wanted to go stay with a friend, and the assumption that I'd go back, I'm a self-supporting student. I'm one of, like, less than 10, like, independent status students. But, yeah. So I want to go stay with a friend. May rolls around, and they're like, hey, if you've left campus, you can't come back. Like, well, that's where I live. <laughs> so that that's a problem. And they were like, uh, Stop luck, figure it out. So I was like, all right, cool. So I got an apartment um, and I'm taking the year off to just work, which is what I was doing before I, I went to school. Um, that took like two and a half years before I went to school. So, um, yeah, and since then, they've just been kind of doing what I think every other school has been doing. It's going very slow and trying, I think, it is, like, get as much information as possible before they make any decisions. But, um, yeah, kind of once I figured out that I was taking a year off, I've, I've stepped away. Um, so I, I just know more about the initial handling. But it seems like I know right now they're having freshmen and sophomores come back in the fall and stay on campus. And then leave in spring semester, juniors and seniors will be on campus. And the other half of the semester you're not on campus, will be online. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I was wondering, could you, or can you say what, what job have you been doing these past few months? I've been doing um, DoorDash delivery driving. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought uh, one of the nice things, but I've never like, been able to like, have the money to buy a car before. And being in rural Ohio without a car is pain. Um, you can't get anywhere. Um, like there's like, Gambier has like, Gambier and Mount Vernon have like small public transit. It's just, it's tricky and it's hard. You can't get to the airport. So uh, I finally bought a car and I've been doing delivery driving since then and like small like freelancing stuff. I do uh, audio engineering, like mixing and mastering stuff for uh, a band, uh, Six Miles to Nelly, based in Gambier, and just some friends. Um, and I've been trying to get like some freelance writing things going. But right now my main income stream is um, DoorDash. Hmm. I was wondering, could you tell us I guess, a little bit about your experiences I guess with your with the jobs you've been doing especially during these last few months because I feel like most of the people I've spoken to have been students or full-time students um and I think it's interesting to get a perspective of someone who was a, or was on campus and a student has had to step back into work to support themselves yeah so I mean um I'm 22 and I'm I just got done with my sophomore year so before that I was working for a couple of years and I uh, at the time, I lived in Nashville, and so I had I had my own apartment. I had jobs. Uh, I was working mostly as like a line cook. I worked at garden centers. I have like pre-COVID jobs where like you could go out and do things and talk to people, um, and I really enjoyed that. I didn't plan on going back to school. It was like totally a very strange series of coincidences that led me to Kenya. I'm really glad I did. It's it's great, um, but. It's a lot, I feel a lot less weird having to work, I think, because of that, because it's just, I, that is the world that I come from. Canyon feels far more strange than having to work and have my own apartment, like, um, even though we're all kind of, like, on some variation of lockdown, like, here in Tennessee, it's not, it's a weirdly political thing, where it's just, 
it's been a fascinating social experiment to just like watch, but like you can pretty much go and do stuff. Um, there's a mask mandate, but it's not. I try and just go to work and I go home. Because um, I also just like my apartment. It's nicer. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not that weird doing DoorDash. You don't really talk to a whole lot of people. It's mostly really, I'll talk to people at the restaurant to request food. And sometimes people are nice and sometimes they're not. It doesn't seem to be any different than it was before. But it's been nice to like, uh, when you drop food off, you really don't see people. You usually just leave it at the door. And so I don't have to talk to people. I just drive around all day listening to music and podcasts. And, um, it's a good way to continue learning and still be able to work. So, yeah, it's just different. It's not a feeling like better or worse than being. So what um or what music and podcast have you been listening to? Oh, uh, okay. So podcast wise, I found um, Between the Covers with David Naiman. It's through Tin House, this publisher out of Portland. And he does these really awesome interviews with uh, just different authors um, from like Colson Whitehead to Lydia Yukovich, um, Garth Greenwell, like all these really great, I found a lot of really great new authors, people I hadn't heard of before, people who I love. Um, he's a, he does really solid research before, before the episodes. And they also post like, uh, Tin House does these writer's workshops. And so they post uh, like craft talks from people have given. So there's one from like uh, Dorothy Allison, who wrote Bastard Out of Carolina. It's just this awesome, like super Southern, I don't know, I've, I've lived, in the south or i wasn't born here i've lived all over but i've lived here since i was like 12 um and so i, I feel like i can claim the south which i have mixed feelings on but uh yeah it's it was one of the best like out of, like southern gothic thing books i've read in a while and it, that podcast showed me that introduced me to her um that's what i'm listening to um you know what let me open spotify and see it's been a lot that that podcast has like hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Um, so I've been going through those and then uh, the New Yorker radio hour, um, other people with Brad Listy, which is like another interviewing authors thing. It's not my super favorite, but there's authors that haven't been on between covers. That's cool. I've been into that one sometimes. Um, and music, those, those are the main podcasts I've been listening to. And then music wise, Let's see. What have I been listening to lately? Um, lots of like lately. Uh, my girlfriend lives with me right now, um, and we've been listening to a lot of like old soul and R and B music. Um, and yeah, I have such a horrible memory. So I have to like pull up everything I've ever done and like mm -hmm. maybe like hold on, what did I do yesterday? I don't remember. Um, but I've also been listening to a lot of like Spotify's telling me I've been listening to a lot of uh, IDK rapper, mm -hmm. Big Star, um, Fiona Apple, JPEG, yeah. uh, AJJ, Mountain Goats, um, Flipping. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. trying to keep, oh, sorry. I was saying, so you said you lived in, um, so you said you're in Tennessee right now, right? Yeah. In and, then, and then you were in school in Ohio and you, I just want to make sure. So you said you stayed near campus until May and then they said you couldn't. Yeah. So, uh, oh no, no, no. I didn't say I came, I came down here. Um, okay, so I have, down yeah, I have, I have a couple friends here. And so I just came crashed on a friend's couch. I don't know. Kenyon is mostly, there are some people who live like in mm -hmm. and around, and there was a minute where I was looking at living with a friend of mine in Cleveland, mm -hmm. um, but that fell through. Um, and so, yeah, I stayed on campus until they kicked everybody off at like the end of the mm -hmm. spring break was, so it was in like March, and I came down here. Mm -hmm. So I'm and curious. I, I just got my own apartment in like mm -hmm. end of May. So you've had, I guess the people I've interviewed tended to be, um, 
I guess one person was from Florida, but that's the only person from the South that I've really um, interviewed so far. So I was wondering, what has been uh, what has been the response to COVID nineteen in the South? Because at least we're around you've been living. Because that's not something that I've heard much about. At least I've heard of maybe a little bit on the news. But from someone, I guess, so like you're like on the ground. How how has it been treated where you live? Uh, different depending on who you talk to. Um, my girlfriend, her name's Nico. We've kind of been um, just hanging out. Uh, we enjoy each other's company a lot. So, and also, I don't, other than like a couple people, I don't know that many people here. Um, and we're both busy doing work. We found projects to keep ourselves ourselves busy and like driving towards what we went to school for. So um, we've been just kind of hanging out, the two of us and my dog, Samson, and enjoying each other's company. But like when I go out and see like when I pick up food from restaurants and stuff, before there was a while where everything got really quiet and slow and just like no one was out. Um, and then it picked up again pretty quickly. Um, it's a super red state. Um, there are only like a handful of blue counties in Tennessee, and they're usually counties that Memphis, Nashville, and I think Knoxville is in, but because Knoxville, the University of Tennessee is here, so half of its population like leaves at the end of every year, and they're permanent residents, so I think Knox County might actually go red as well, um, but it's more, it's not even necessarily an air believing in the, the virus as a political thing, but like the response to it, like, uh, you know, wearing masks violates my rights kind of thing. There's a lot of that. Um, and in response to like the Black Lives Matter protests, I know in Nashville they've been super big. Um, there have been some really great protests going on there. Knoxville had like a day or two. And the newspapers just kind of wrote them off and just kind of like laughed at them. And it's a really strange, I would not have chosen to end up here is not where I feel super at home, but it's just where I have resources. So but it's been, I, I just try not to pay too much attention to like a lot of the political stuff because generally I'll, I'll get in trouble now that <laughs> it doesn't help my case. But like you go out, like, uh, like a lot of students just started moving back in mm. yesterday, a couple days ago. And it downtown is packed and like half, you know, more than half people don't wear masks. It's a whole thing. To give you an opportunity to, um, if you could, I guess if you could send a message to the people who treat uh, wearing masks like a political statement or political thing, what would you want to tell them? It's silly. What are you doing? Like, I don't know. There's, it's been fascinating to watch the research develop. And I, I try not to be a super, like, no one's ever changed my mind by yelling at me. And so I don't feel like yelling at anybody. There are very, there are cases where I think kicking and screaming and fighting do make really positive change. And I think there's a time for that. But I don't think that, like, the conservative grandpa not wearing a mask who just, like, hates everything anybody under the age of 40 does. Me yelling at him is just going to polarize him more. Just like, I, and it's fascinating to watch research develop and things shift. But I guess at the end of it, it's like, even if we, at the end of the day, find out that like, oh, that does nothing. And you're right. It makes other people feel okay. And like, feel and for now, like all anybody at the end of the day is really looking for us to just feel like a little bit more stable and grounded. So it's like, just be a dick. <laughs> just like, at, at bare minimum, you can make other people feel comfortable or try your best. Yeah. Have you been able to do anything that's made you feel more stable and grounded? Uh, I mean, yeah, Nico's wonderful. We're uh, very good at supporting each other. My dog, Samson. He's an emotional support animal. Mm -hmm. And so he's uh, he's very good at putting his head in my lap. And looking at me like, you don't look like you're doing okay. Um, I've been doing a lot of, just trying to keep myself busy with different projects. Um, writing, 
reading a lot, just trying to keep uh, trying to hold on to the idea that this is not like the literal end of the world. I think I was raised super Christian, so there's a part I'm I'm not anymore. But so there's a strong part of my brain that's like it's the apocalypse. We're all gonna die, and it's like that doesn't that doesn't help me that much. So I yeah, just been trying to do things mm-hmm. to um, writing stories, writing articles for WKSCO, finding music, just trying to do little things that like hold on to the idea that like eventually, even if it's not like things go back to like or what they were, mm-hmm. like, there will be a time where I can leave my house and see again for the like the goals that I set when I went when I decided to go to school are still like goals that I are working. And I don't feel like go prepare for like the Mad Max apocalypse. Mm. I will say you're not the first person to mention in an interview that this seems like the apocalypse. I uh, yeah, I I feel like I've had a, a teacher say that like every American she's talked to has been has just talked about the apocalypse nonstop, and that made me laugh. So I was, so you said you went to or you you write, and I think you said you went to school for writing. Um, I was curious if you could tell us like. What are you writing about? And also, do you see the events of this past year um, being shown in your writing? Beyond COVID, just everything that has happened, um, you can think. Just do, has that showed up in your writing? Yeah, so um, I am going to school for English for creative writing. Uh, before I went to school, I mostly, actually really only did like songwriting. And that was, going to Kenyon was like, uh, I was at this like youth resource shelter basically and uh, the door opened for me to go my idea was like oh I'll go and I'll learn to write so I can like be better at music write better songs and I got there and I took some like uh I took this uh, creative writing multi-genre class a couple weeks of fiction not fiction but poetry um and it was really the first time I tried writing stories and things and I loved it. And then I also, my professor, um, Misha Rai, was super supportive. And uh, apparently I was good at it. <laughs> so I ended up taking this novella writing class with her uh, spring semester. Um, so obviously the cat was being like doing online. that used to write a novella. And so it, I started doing that. And then class ended. And she liked it. She was like, "You should keep working on this, and like we can edit it and do try and like get it published somewhere." So I'm still working on that, and it's. Um, I am a super anxious person by nature. I don't know if you can tell my voice cracking every three seconds, but I'm just like, I'm a ball of anxiety, and so uh, I feel like that definitely comes out in the way I write, even if it's song stories, whatever, um, and. Sometimes the surrounding anxiety and like tension is because it's different than the anxiety in my head. I feel like it's a lot easier to like focus on it. It's kind of like like a like watching horror movies when you're terrified. It you can like focus the way that you're scared on something completely ridiculous like Pennywise the clown and be like, oh, cool. Like I don't have to deal with my own internal thing now because I'm focused on this and I can easily compartmentalize killer clowns as opposed to whatever's actually going on. Uh, obviously, not quite the same thing as, like, fascist governments, all that stuff. Um, but because it's not, it's external, like, me, it's different. So, yeah, and I think, I think beyond just, like, writing, like, putting anxiety and things into writing, like, the, the consciousness of other people of consciousness of like how we all affect others and like the interconnectedness of everybody um, I think is really just influenced the way that I think and I think that leads into my writing I hope it mm-hmm. does because I hope that it makes you uh, more conscious and concerned I know a, a question or two ago you mentioned um, your career goals. I was wondering if you're just if you're willing, can you share what those are? I don't even know if I have career goals <laughs> at this point. 
I was I was very content just being a line cook forever, um, and so that's been uh, those go under constant readjustment. Um, but right now, I think the idea is that as long as I can uh, write and work on music, if if I can write and work on music in any capacity, be it working in publishing or doing mixing, or it's not even just like, I just want to write stories, write music, if I can edit stuff, if I can write ads for someone's natural soap business, if I can mix somebody's music, even if I hate it, like, if I can do the things that I, like, enjoy doing in a, use, in a way that is useful, like, be of use to others, um, and support myself with that, I'm, I'm cool. Now, I was wondering, um, I guess, so we were able to connect and get set this as interview through our respective radio stations. I was curious, could you tell us a little bit about your involvement with the uh, radio station? Yeah, so uh, it, at Canyon, there's, uh, there's the Horn Gallery, which is like the live venue. That's where I work. I uh, was head sound tech there, just running, yeah, live sound for shows. Um, and helping out with that end of things. And there's WKCO, which is the radio side of things. And generally, they don't like cross paths a whole lot. But then this past year, people started to like, like there are a few people who have radio shows who have worked, but they weren't like really connected institutions. And then this past year, that started to change a lot more. Um, and I got really close with, I don't know his actual position in WKCO. Um, but Andrew, he did a lot of the studio stuff there. Um, and he plays in the band Mark Klein, who everybody should go listen to. They're really wonderful. Um, and yeah, I got connected with him and started working, doing stuff like in their studio, mostly like recording. Um, and then over quarantine, I was trying to figure out a way uh, to like get some like technical writing out or like even music writing out um and wkco until recently has mostly done like reviews and like think pieces and, like they're all they're all really great but i uh i'm not i don't think i'm a super great music review dude i just don't uh i don't i didn't see what i could like necessarily contribute to that that other people hadn't already said um but i know how to do a lot of the technical stuff so i started writing um this, this this column on like DIY home recording, um, and I'm starting to branch out into doing other things. But that's been how I fit in there. So with that, right now, because I work more on like the blog side of things, I don't know. And I'm still very new, so you see, I don't know. I'm sure there's huge things that I'm missing. Um, but the blog does a lot of really good. I started doing uh, playlist pieces and. Like an article and how playlist goes with it. Um, there's the recording series I I write called Talkback. Uh, there's the reviews. Um, and the blog's very much like going through progress. Like it's, it's a work in progress. It's getting built up, but it's already it looks really solid. Uh, Chris Goodall is the guy who runs the site and manages, and uh, he does an excellent job. Um, and then. As far as like the radio side of things, well, yeah, there's a bunch of different DJs, and I think the way they're going to do it with COVID coming up is that everyone will like pre-record shows and then send them in, and they'll broadcast them at a set time. Um, and then there's the studio, which is they have like a recording studio in the radio station with drum kits and you know every microphone you can think of. Um, and they make all the March planning EPs and stuff have come out of this. Uh, there's a bunch of, I think there's another band, Damon, who are, I, I love them so much. They're so wonderful. Uh, they're recording there. Um, trying to think. They, they do a lot of like student recordings. Um, and it's a free resource on campus. So, again, like, the like tech knob twiddling person I am. I've always been very fond of that side. So, I like to ask this question, or I've started to ask this question again in interviews, but um, the last few months for everyone has been 
stressful to say the least. So curious, can you think of one moment in particular that you can label as a very positive highlight of the time you've had during quarantine? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think especially since, since Nico's gotten here, things have been a lot better. Because until then, like, I had, I didn't really see a lot of cool things where I was very much just in limbo, just, like, waiting for things to happen. Um, and so once I got my apartment, and then Nico got here, she's from New York, um, Nico got here, things got a lot more just, like, stable for me, where it was, like, things might not be great, but I, like, know what tomorrow looks like. I can, instead of only being able to plan three days in the future, I can now plan a week in the future and be reasonably certain. Uh -huh. um, so after that happened, it's, I actually don't have too many complaints. I miss my friends. I wish I could go back to school. There's all of those things. But like, as far as how the situation is, I feel very lucky. I know a lot of my friends are stuck with families they don't want to be with, or stuck in really difficult situations. I super lucked out with having a place I can stay and then having uh, the resources and like prior prior knowledge, even things like having renter's history, things where I could go get my apartment. I, uh, I feel very so I, especially once I got here, I don't have that And then for a question that I'm, so I'm very interested in people's answer to this question, but I personally can't picture myself shaking a stranger's hand for a very long time, just because <laughs> of everything. Do you think that how quickly will you be able to go back just to shaking someone's hand that you haven't met before? So, uh, <laughs> the Southern part of me just still wants to call everybody sir and ma'am and shake hands, and that's got nine years on COVID. So, like, I think <laughs> the second I can go back to shaking hands, I'm super psyched to do that. Like, just... Uh, or even just, like, I don't know, I went to church for a long time, and, like, all the old people at church love hugs. And, like, I just miss, I just, like, getting a couple of somebody for hangover, which was, you, like, hug goodbye. Like, um, do I think that'll happen? I don't, I don't like to think about that, because it just makes me sad. Um, I'm willing to just go with, like, what current best practices are. But the second I can go back to, like, uh, not having to be, like, phobic of people, I'm super in. I think I'm the, I think, I, I don't think I've ever enjoyed handshakes. I think I'm just okay. like, so I'm just like, you know, a lot of bad things have happened, but not shaking people's hands is like, I'm not missing it. I just can't the elbow touch thing. Just like, no, stop That's it. Weird. What are I've, you doing? I've never done that. I feel like that's weird. I don't think I could be able to switch to. It's been a lot of that. A lot of the like older dudes that I have to like meet. I like to just look through to. Or, I'm trying to remember even like well, I was doing job interviews for a minute, mm -hmm. uh, like looking for like construction things and so shaking people touch elbows and I was like, what? What is that? No, <laughs> like it, is, yeah. it doesn't communicate anything other than like weird and uncomfortable it is weird i guess yeah that's not some that's something that i also hope does not stick around i hope elbow touching does not become the new handshake either because that's just worse than a handshake yeah it's just i feel like at least with handshakes you can like communicate something if you want but like elbow touching is just like this weird like bumping of arms and unnecessary. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like it. Zero of ten. So, to move on from specific questions uh, concerning COVID in the last few months, but, so I'm a history major, and I think this year is going to be heavily studied, just because there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And I was curious, when people start to write, in a few years, people start to write books about this, or write stories, or make movies, or write songs, 
what do you like what topics or events do you think they're going to focus on oh god that's fascinating um, I mean, I think like I saw a lot of like on like online communities that I like follow loosely people being like, "Don't name your song Quarantine. Everyone's gonna hate you." So like, there was a lot of like, I feel like now like there will be a lot of that, uh, but I don't think that that will be like. Yeah, the next few years there'll probably be a lot of stuff like that, or a lot of things that are inspired by other people being. Okay. I think there will be a lot of like just very basic, like there was a virus kind of art, or like there were these protests, or I was stuck at home. Um, but I think the more interesting thing will be like, uh, or the thing that will like last longer than the initial like boom will be like how socializing changes how like um you know for people who are in school right now this would be like a mark of like their development regardless if they're in elementary school preschool high school like and i think the like look at how that changes things and how that pivots the way people see the world and the the paranoia kind of art that comes out of it it's not about it but just the way that it changes the way people view things i think that will be particularly interesting um way isolation way how i'm also very interested to see if things just like slow down a whole lot because you know, everything goes very fast and there's a lot of even you know, there's only 1600 kids but I feel like I take like two days off from talking to people I've missed so much mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if because I think all my friends right now they're like yeah I went and I saw somebody for two hours the other day and I'm socially fried like I can't anymore like all of our mm-hmm. social tolerances are super low I'm wondering if um, I'm wondering if some of that will hang around and things will start to get a lot a little bit more introverted or like mm-hmm. slow I'm, I'm also just wondering, like, how that will affect, like, the way music sounds, not even, like, mm-hmm. the content of it, but just, like, like, if, you know, music changes with the drugs that are being used at the time it's made, how does, like, isolation and paranoia about the end of the world change the music you make? And it's been cool to see a lot of, like, joyful music right now, too, so I wonder. I just wonder how that translates, and especially with, like, elections coming up and how that tie into like political protests and things. I'm wondering. I think it'll change largely depending it'll be different depending on how things continue to develop and change. But I'm equally as curious. Yeah. Also so you mentioned in your answer you mentioned something that um, leads me to a question that I'd like to ask, also like to ask. Do you think that this year is going to be something that, so we're obviously, we're around the same age. I think I'm a bit, you think I'm a bit younger than you, but for people around our age and early twenties going into their twenties, do you think this year with a pandemic, a resurgence of a Black Lives Matter movement, um, a presidential election that's highly contentious and partisan, and I think people will put a lot of importance on it. And then the dozens of other news stories that, we've probably even forgotten about at this point just because of how busy everything is. Do you think that's kind of, do you think this year will affect us? Will be like a generational moment, sort of like how World War II was to a previous generation or 9-11 was to the generation right before us? In, in some way, yeah. Like, I don't, um, I don't know. Like, I mean, no one is going to like, just shrug that off and be like, eh, didn't change a thing. I'm great now. But, like, I hope it doesn't, like, spawn a bunch of, like, in, like, 40 years, a bunch of grumpy 60-year-olds who are like, I lived through COVID. Don't tell me what to do. Like, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a landmark moment, for sure. What that means going forward, I don't really know. But I don't 
you know, if nothing else, there's going to be some awesome memes about it in five years. <laughs> Just, yeah. I don't, I have no idea. It'll definitely make a mark. I hope it does something interesting and positive, but more than likely, we'll just get some weird surreal memes. I think this was the first, I may be wrong, this was the first mention of memes in an interview. So you have, so you have that, you have that, you have that <laughs> distinction. Yeah. <laughs> 20, 28 interviews in. Although I could be wrong. They may, it, it may have been mentioned before. I would just like to go on record and say I don't know anything about memes. <laughs> I don't either. I had a, I had a flip phone until junior year in high school, so I'm same. So did you far like print out MapQuest directions to get everywhere? No, I was able, I just took the bus everywhere. Just, okay, where are you from? So I'm from Malden, Massachusetts, so it's like right north of Boston. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, there's like no pub. I lived in like once. I was like driving age. I was in like rural Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everything was print out MapQuest directions and try to get some more. And dude, MapQuest sucks. You can't get anywhere. So I was very grateful when I got the smartphone and I stopped getting lost as often. I am um, for my phone. Uh, every time we had to like, for whatever test you have to do or event, you have to turn them in. So like no student can have them. And everyone would have iPhones that looked the same. And I just have this nice brick. Of, yeah. Oh. Of, I was like, I know which one's mine. And also, it's like, it. no one's going to steal it. No, no, it's worth nothing. You can throw it at the wall and it doesn't break. It's awesome. Yeah, have like, if you had, I remember in like sixth grade, like you had the phone like slid up and had the mm-hmm. full keyboard. You were the shit. Like that was it. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, I'll move on from the phones very soon. But I was <laughs> like, it was like always a great conversation starter just because I was always the only person with a, flip phone like only per like in in my school or grade i was at a big school the only person who walked around with a flip phone every day no same i mean i didn't have i i didn't have a flip phone but i had one of the like all the buttons are just on the front like the like old mm-hmm. like feel um and yeah everyone's like the iphone 8 came out and i'm like i can play tetris <laughs> Look, this is yeah, sick. I played the free version. I didn't want to buy it. I played the free version oh, of Tetris. Exactly. Yeah. Just wait till the demo expires. All right. <laughs> so to move on from phones, um, I started these back in June, and a bunch of stuff has happened since then. Like tons of news stories that have seemed probably been reported as like the biggest news story of the year and then sort of forgotten about in the next week because something else happened. And I always think those events are going to show up in an interview, and they never did. So I'm just going to ask very directly, in the last two weeks, what do you think the biggest news story has been? Okay. Uh, Okay, I guess first is to part of my strategy to stay slightly sane is to not follow the news too deeply. I kind of did a thing where you check like all the recommended news on different like you know, Google News, Twitter News, and just see if there's anything that's particularly interesting or like, oh, I should keep up with this, I'll go read it. But I I don't know, if I read too much of the news, I just start to feel very like fatalist and there's I'm I'm useless. Um in the last two weeks, I'm trying to think, because I'll also go back and look at things that way out of order. So, like, yesterday I was listening to a New Yorker podcast a month ago about, like, should we reopen schools? So it's like, okay, well, George is open. So, I'm definitely out of date on that. But, um, I also have the worst memory. And I will take anyone to task. I don't know. It feels, I, yeah, I get short answer. I don't know what longer answer. Just it, at this point, everything seems so tied together mm-hmm. and strong from the next thing. It's just like, mm-hmm. it feels like it, as much as, as little as I know that, like, things like the main threads are all being held on to but I, I can't remember a specific instance 
and I <laughs> so um a question again um what issues so I think when when people start talking about politics or social movements or really I think our generation I know I personally I feel like you feel a big weight because there's so many issues that need to be dealt with um and then I was curious do you think there are any issues in the past few months that we haven't haven't gotten the attention they deserve have sort of been pushed to the pushed to the back because of the pandemic and the new protests in the election um On like a very technical level, I want to say yeah, just because there, there's always going to be something we're not paying attention to that deserves critical attention. Like there will always be something uh, that needs immediate help, like attention, or is terrible and needs to be resolved. That won't get won't get attention because either it clicks or there's just no longer enough space. I think it usually has a lot more to do. Like horror article about COVID, um, because a lot of the exact same thing. Um, I've seen a lot of the Black Lives Matter and protest stuff sort of die off more in the main news. I think a lot of the stuff that I've seen about that has come through people I know on social media posting things, and that's where I've gotten a lot of updates on, and that's where I've been. Is you can help with that, I think has been spread a lot more through like digital word of mouth. Um, as far as so, yeah, I guess as far as news goes, I feel like that there is a lot more to be said on like a, a mainstream front. There, I heard the other day about uh, an oil spill in the Indian Ocean that I've seen like one or two articles on. Um, uh, the situation in Lebanon, I haven't heard that much on either. Like, I feel like it, yeah, I think my frustration with the news right now is that it seems to just be focused on like what will make, what will get people riled up enough to put click on things. Uh-huh. And I don't know, I'm sure the situation is a little different in the Northeast. Because, yeah, down here it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot more conservative. So there's a lot of like, mm-hmm. just like, uh, you know, I've heard a lot, not like a disproportionate enough, but just like, I mean, I guess no matter what's disproportionate enough, like people defending like the cops murder George Floyd. Like, I, like, just, it's a very different overall environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe I just because of that, the news that I hear going around is probably a lot less uh, informed and uh, aware than news other places. But that's just this is what I can so far. And I was um, so I don't always ask people uh, questions in these interviews about Black Lives Matter, really, unless they mention it themselves. And you have a few times. So I was curious, um, we've grown it up, we've, there's been videos of African-American people being killed before, and they've been spread around um, on the news and we've seen them, but it's really, in this moment, we've seen a huge upsurge of support again. Um, I was curious, do you have any thoughts on why you think it was this video or this moment that happened, that it happened in, as uh, compared to it happened some time years ago when we saw another video or why this video just, these videos and these stories didn't just disappear like some of the other ones did. I'm sure there is a very complicated and deep and intricate like actual reason behind like all of that. I'm sure there is, especially with, you know, why does this thing get attention and then go away? Why does it, um, 
and someone who is way more intelligent and way more informed than me will probably have a much better answer to that question in all honesty. Um, I think a lot of it has to do, like I remember going through high school, I went to like a tiny Christian high school, like out not in the sticks, but like close, <laughs> just like, and even I started to hear about like social justice movements and things like that. And I remember watching that become more of a thing like as I grew up. And so I think because I think some of it has to do with a lot of the people who were, from what I understand, the large majority of that movement were like later adolescents when I was in high school and now adults and around Trump and they are willing to go and stand up and be courageous and say, hey, this, no, we don't get to just ignore this. Um, and so I think it's that there are a lot of very uh, intelligent and um, courageous and just people with really, really solid heads on their shoulders who are willing to stand up Why things keep disappearing, I think that has a lot to do with money and clicks and politics. Why the cops are killed on Taylor and all that rest of it is not me. Why that also seems to just die away, considering all of the other things that came up, come up about is, is I mean, it's not, like, it's white supremacy versus government. It's, it's all the, the systems that are in place that say, like, no, that that actually serves the larger system in some way. Mm -hmm. So we just need to get people to forget about that. And I think that people are doing the best thing they can do is just to not forget about that. There's been this long system mm -hmm. of just yeah, systemic racism, this is horrible things that have happened because it serves, it serves the people that want the best system. I don't know if that made any sense at all. It, 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 it did. Um, I was, so I like to, as we near the end of the interview, I like to give the opportunity uh, to everyone just, is there any topic or issue or really anything you want to talk about that uh, we haven't mentioned so far? Um, sorry, my dog's being a freak show. No, not that I can think of. Black Lives Matter, defund the police, press the cops with Oprah and Taylor. Uh, wear a damn mask. <laughs> Even if it doesn't do anything, it makes other people feel better. And that's the reason to do it in and of itself. I don't, yeah. So. And then we'll move on to the last two questions then. And these are the questions that have stayed consistent in these past uh, 27 interviews. So what do you think the next steps are? And that can either be the next steps for you or uh, the people you're with, your community, just what do you think, excuse me, those next steps should be? Um, so, my community at this point is mostly online. Uh, I, again, I know like one or two people here, maybe. Not super closely. Um, so, there's a lot of continuing to share information, um, support in the different ways that I can, um, be that in person or from afar. Um, Um, I, I, do you want to repeat the last thing you said? I just had some trouble here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, just continuing to support like Black Lives Matter movement and the movements that have come up. 
around it or that have like aligned themselves with it feeling it becomes um, the, the bail funds when protests are happening different things like that um continuing to support all those things in person or from afar as best i can um continuing to support the individual people in my communities as best i can especially being distant it's a lot of reaching out to people, talking to people. Um, trying to keep myself and my girlfriend safe as far as the virus goes, making sure that like things are clean, masks and stuff like that. Um, and then yeah, just trying to make sure that like I don't become super fatalist. And then become become useless to whatever else is happening. Make sure that I don't just give up or give myself in a position where I um, can no longer can no longer be helpful. And then ask the the last question, which you to be fair, you sort of answered uh, just right now, but. This, I think, is actually the question that I'm usually most interested in what people are going to say. And it's probably the most direct question I'll ask people. Uh, but it's, are you hopeful? I'm sorry? Are you hopeful? Is a... Oh. Ooh. Um. Yes and no. But I'm, I'm hopeful that things get better that things change. I'm, uh, I, I don't consider the possibility that things can change for the better. That we can vote Trump out of office. That uh, Joe Biden won't be the bumbling fool that he seems to be 90% of the time. Um, even though that is Um, I think if you can't see, like, if I give up on seeing an ideal or seeing a better solution or way things can get better, I'll just get super fabulous and nihilistic. And that, that doesn't help anybody, it doesn't get me anywhere at the same time. Uh, I have reservations and fears and doubts. Um, that are almost equally as strong. And so I think, for me, it's not even like, am I hopeful? It's just like the, the choice that I make to get up every day and just take those odds and keep going. In spite of whatever might Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, once again, this was A Moment in History, our 28th episode. Uh, this was WCCS Podcast, and I'm Harris Zyberg. And for all the people who will uh, listen to this in the next few days when it's posted, um, thank you for listening. I hope you get to see someone else's perspective. And for anyone who listens to this in the future, I hope this gives you um, just a little bit more insight into what living through this year was like. So thank you for listening. <laughs>